You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is, 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 is Kickoff in the Valley. Now here's your, now here's your host, Tyler, Tyler Vazquez and Gunnar Jackson. All right, welcome to the Kickoff in the Valley podcast, where I am not Gunnar Jackson, voice of the bird god, stepping in along with Tyler Vazquez to break down what was shockingly, Tyler, another loss for the Arizona Cardinals, but most importantly, three snaps into this one, we know topic of the day is kyler murray non-contact injury i think you're screwing with me when you say shockingly that they lost <laughs> yes that is a theme from this <laughs> season but uh you know listen it is what it is what it is at this point but I, there's actually a lot here when it comes to kyler murray and this injury that actually has ramifications i think well beyond this season uh definitely does i mean i've kind of seen people say anywhere from nine to ten months that this will set Kyler Murray back maybe seven, eight months that you might be able to get him to do some sort of work. Right. But when we talk about, and I'm sure we'll go here eventually, but we talk about potential change at head coach or GM or things to that nature. I mean, what does this do to that? Right. Like how, how easy of a sell to a Sean Payton or, or these other people that are out there that now the franchise quarterback of this team, he ain't going to be ready by week one. I mean, just based on timeline, you're talking late September, early October. I mean, this this isn't good that this – it's never good when your quarterback sustains an injury like this, especially a mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray. But it's definitely not good that it happens in December. I mean, it's one thing for him to yeah. go down in October and be ready to go for training camp and everything else for a new season. But what what is now compounded from – a season of disappointment and a lot of injuries across the board to now Kyler Murray, your friend, the biggest piece. Like when we asked going into last night, you know, what, what's the worst that could happen at this point? You know, you're, you're already probably going to miss the playoffs. I mean, if they lose last night, uh, then they're officially out. Right. And that's what ended up happening. So that was like the worst that people were thinking, like, oh, they lose, but the positive spin was, Hey, you get a better draft pick. No, the worst thing that could happen happened. What was it? The second or third play? I, I can't even remember, but I yeah, know it was like, snaps. yeah, it was, yeah, it was third snap. So it was third play of the game. He goes down on, on that. Uh, uh, what did it look like? Uh, you know, cause it was on the opposite side of the field for me. I know you were watching, but did it, did it, was it a design run or was it him scrambling because he was under duress? No, it's rolling out. And you know, they, when they call it a non-contact, it's not, it wasn't a, out of you say duress right it's not the play is totally breaking down i gotta get out of here it's almost just getting out into space right getting out oh, into okay. space and then that, that's it yeah, i've, I've, I've mean, seen the i've seen the replay of him like just in the open field and and you could see where the knee looks like it buckles up and and whatever but i didn't i didn't get to see the beginning of it and so and and it was on literally the opposite side of where i sit so has he um has he had as a Cardinals guy has he had any other injuries around the knee before because I was no. trying to think about that in real time right so I mean it being non-contact and also not you know wouldn't make it any better but sometimes if you said well he had previously had injury x on this same knee right it almost you'd you'd like to think maybe it's re-aggravating something or maybe it's the culmination of that and now he's going to come back stronger than it when it's a non-contact injury on a knee that he hadn't had any issues with I mean, it's a, it's a very, it's very alarming in this a different is, this, way. This is never good for a mobile quarterback, uh, right? Well, like that alone, especially with his height. And we, we, we know some of the other limitations to his game potentially. Now, if you talk about, you say coming back and then what if the first season for him back, even a little bit delayed at the start of the year, what if he comes back next year and it's kind of, Hey, for the first two months of my return when I get back onto the field, I'm going to have to be a pocket quarterback. You know, that, that changes the entire dynamic of what he is. And to your point, the prospect of what could happen in this offseason, 
I got to be honest with you. I, you know, first of all, you never you never like seeing a player get hurt. The non-contact stuff is always more concerning. And then even furthermore, though, it's I, I'll say for an Arizona fan base, being someone on the outside looking in, I mean, this is brutal because it just it casts so much more ambiguity over not not this season, not just the off season, but now your entire next season too. Which is it's hard to be in a state like that for a franchise that may may all of a sudden start looking about making decisions around other players on this roster predicated on the fact that you're not going to have Kyler Murray as a viable option to start next year. They need to be a good franchise and do what a good franchise does. And it's hard because this franchise hasn't been a good franchise. Stay the course, whatever you were going to do, whatever you were thinking of doing, you do it. I mean, that's just as simple as that. Like if, if, if Michael Bidwell has already thought like we need to change everything. Okay. Let's talk about last night a little bit. The undisciplined nature of the offense, right? I mean, how there's, many there's times- a whole other thing that happened, which was the which was the game where they lost to the Patriots and it looked as bad as they have. All oh year. yeah, what'd you tweet out, you jerk? Well, I just, I was, I mean, just you know, I said, I said, I said, my God, this team is terrible. And I like, and again, uh, you know, no, you've seen Colt McCoy play before, obviously he's coming to, you know, fill in for Kyler Murray when he's injured prior, but just you're getting further and further down the season. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's been a part of the theme of what happens down the stretch here. You want to see your better players be leaders. You want to mm-hmm. see some pride from this team. You want to see pride from the coaching staff. And last night did feel like the culmination between the injury and the performance. It was well, does anybody care about anything? Uh, anymore? They've mailed it home. I mean, it is an, an injury after injury, but the undisciplined stuff. And, and and this is to me, the bigger sign of like why you need to follow through with the plan and not saying that I know Michael Bidwell's plan, right. but in my mentality is the plan at this point is we need overall, we need to get rid of the coach, probably need to get rid of the GM as well. I would think you're going to get rid of both. Um, now, the reason I say that is you look at the pre-snap penalties again, yeah. you know, and and it's it's not even like okay false start. I mean yes, those are big and those hurt, but like we had two illegal shifts last night. Like I rarely see one of those in a game, let alone two. Like from the same offense, and and then that comes down to at week fourteen of the season. Whose fault is that? Like I, I see fans saying, "Oh, we can't blame Cliff Kingsbury for that." That's coaching. It is. I I mean, you got to have your guys ready. I don't care who's in there. They're all pros. I I get, you know, you or me and our uh, neighbors down the street are basically on the offensive line. But at the end of the day, those guys have played high level football either in college and, you know, their whole life. Right. So at the very least, they should be able to make sure that the snap's getting out correctly. And, you know, it's one thing if it sails over the head or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, timing-type stuff. The timing mm-hmm. stuff is insane. And you see things like A.J. Green making mistakes. A.J. Green was a certified pro bowler every year of his career in Cincinnati, like, until he got hurt. But it's one of those things where, like, you can't make those mistakes. Like, today, looking at film, you should just cut A.J. Green. I mean, you don't have enough bodies in there with all the injuries to do that. I mean, you could. You could go sign some scrub off the street. Or, novel concept, you could play Greg Dorch. Um, but we know that won't, we know that won't <laughs> happen. So, But it's one of those things where it's just like, man, if you're Cliff and if you're Kime and you're going and watching the film of these games – you're at the point now play the hungry guys that at least if they screw up, Mm. it's just because of inexperience. Stop playing these veteran guys that really probably shouldn't be on rosters anymore. And honestly, you're just collecting a paycheck. Like, so it's two things then, because let's stay on this thread. Cause I want to touch back on the Kyler situation for a second Mm -hmm. here, but you say it though whether it's a vet AJ green is a very good example just because he's a guy that doesn't have any future with this team. Obviously I'm sure if he goes back in the recesses of his mind feels like I, I should have got you Arizona. You thought would have been a great landing spot for him, right? Turns out he probably should have gone somewhere else with a veteran quarterback and maybe just hung on as a fringe guy. But regardless of it, that, it, now- it, was, it was good for him last year. Last year yeah. when we didn't have, you know, we didn't have Hollywood Brown. We didn't have right. uh, some of the other pieces on the offense right now this year you have way more pieces so at this point yes he should have probably went some went somewhere else this offseason but but it, but it also you also bring up the idea of like to me i backtrack now to the trade deadline where you know you think maybe you're still in it you could be fighting but all these things are happening 
And if you want to be proactive, whether you're listening to the head coach, you like to be proactive. I'm glad they didn't. Better. But well, so that's, all, <laughs> that, that's what I wanted to ask you. It was like, should you have been proactive around the idea of like, listen, if this is going to get blown up in some form or fashion to whatever extent, should we be trying to acquire assets? I'm not talking about, you know, we should be trying to get draft capital for a couple of key players that we either aren't going to resign. Oh, yeah. Last year, the contracts like that's that's where I think uh-huh. we, now we can backtrack and say first mistake here. You should have seen the writing on the wall. Should've you got to know. Yeah, you got. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, let me uh, clarify. Not buying to help put band-aids on yeah. this roster. You should have been getting as much as you could for as many pieces as possible because this wasn't going to be the year. And there's a difference to me between at the trade deadline, blowing it up and selling young talent off versus saying, listen, you could even look at this season and say, man, so many things didn't break our way this year that led to this. Okay, fine. Like, right, put put the Cliff Kingsbury thing on the shelf for a second. Put the issues with Kyler Murray on the shelf for a second. Just, it didn't work out this year for us. Let's go ahead and get some value and not strip it apart, but let's just give ourselves an opportunity to reset ourselves next season. They didn't do that. They stood pat. And now you're here going, well, not only are we eliminated from the playoffs, we also have guys on this roster that you can almost guarantee aren't going to be here next season. So you, it, it's a double, it's a really a double shot in this one combined with losing Kyler Murray. It's just kind of indicative, I think, symbolic of how the season's gone. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals, they're really bad about what are other people going to think? Like that is almost what it feels Oof. like as yeah. an organization. Like first way to be making decisions. The, yeah, the, and they're so concerned. Like, oh, if we traded a JJ Watt right now, what is the fan base gonna think? Like, oh, we're giving up. Again, they don't understand. I, I almost feel like, feel like they treat the fan base with like the casual fan and not the ones that are maybe the more vocal. Like, kind of. Well, I guess that's a give or take. I mean, you may say the casual fan's a little more vocal, but. It's almost like you're going to get respect from you're not going to get these ESPN stories that come out where they're calling mm. for uh, Steve Kimes head. If you start making the right moves, like the practical moves that set you up long term. But instead, they're, I think they're just so concerned of that. And then the byproduct of that is they don't do what you probably should do. And then guess what? People are talking crap about them. And so yep. it's just like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, at least set yourself up, be a good organization and set yourself up long-term. And that's where they should have looked at like a J.J. Watt, right? Jesus, because he has voidable years too. Yeah. After the season, they can void the last three years of his contract. Yeah. yeah. Trey, I, I'm JJ sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up in the background here and just realizing, Trey, you know. A, maybe a DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like, I don't know what the impact that would have been, but. He's another one where he's over 30. You're going to have to pay Hollywood here soon. Like, do you really need to commit all that money to the two, to those two wide receivers? Like I get, you look at Miami and you see yeah. Tyree kill and waddle. And it's like, man, I, everybody wants something like that. Right. But at the end of the day, like they, Miami has other pieces as well. We have a lot of pieces that we, we have a lot of holes at certain key positions, corner, uh, pass rush, uh, offensive line clearly, uh, you know, defensive line could probably use a couple of pieces. So we're not as close as some of these marquee teams where it's like, oh, yeah, let's just devote, uh, you know, 15% of our budget to two stud wide receivers that, you know, in the biggest moment last night, DeAndre Hopkins fumbles and and lets the uh, – it was really the game changer – I think the game changer was the decision not to go for a field goal right before half, but this compounded it and, and really sealed the deal. When he fumbles, New England scoop scores for a touchdown, that kind of that the momentum, you know, you let the the air out of the balloon. You it was it was done at that point. Um that miss, and then there was that big throw to to uh Hollywood Brown. I think it was on a fourth down throw, and it was for like 10 or 15 yards, and he drops it. It was like right in his hands. Yeah. And um, you know, so those two guys that we're now talking about, do you pay them a bunch of money? But going back to the whole idea of the trade, the uh, the, the the trade deadline, like, yeah, do we invest this money into a hop in Hollywood Brown, or do you move Hollywood Brown for or I mean sorry, or do you move hop for assets do you move jj watt for assets there's guys on this team you could have traded for assets that are a little on the back nine of their career (laughs) well here's the interesting part too to tie it back in to the kyler murray injury in some ways because when you go and look at his contract and you guys have talked about this a couple of times throughout the year but remember you know the first real opportunity potentially to get out of this Uh, when you look at Kyler Murray's contract, is you have to go down a couple of years here, right? Because the dead cap money is going to be a problem. Even if you go ahead and put it, say you put it into a trade kind of scenario, you're going to want to still get 
after the 2024 season when it's not 46 million in dead cap to move and get it down to 33, et cetera. And the reason why I bring it up is because in some ways I wonder if I still would have moved the veteran players, but in some ways, even before the injury, the idea was, well, everything that we strip away and everything we do, it's going to end up being about over the next season and the following season. Is this team in any way, shape, or form competitive? When you still, when you Hopkins, are you going to pay him or not? You're still technically could have JJ Watt under con- contract because you're still going to have Kyler Murray on the books. So if you're thinking about like the next phase of this team, it's probably two years away anyway. Now, the hard part is, is you have outlined numerous times, this organization doesn't make the right decisions often, so it's hard to trust them. But I do think it's like if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, there's a slow bleed here that happens this offseason and then the following season potentially, and then two and three seasons from now, you're starting to maybe think about being able to reboot this thing a little bit. And I, I'm, I wonder if their pause on it is looking inside their division and saying, was Seattle a fluke this year or not? San Francisco is always good. Turns out their third string quarterback is going to be their next franchise quarterback, right? And then the Rams might fall off a cliff here based on guys retiring and who's going to be a part of that going forward. Like, I wonder if the Cardinals still in their minds think we could be competitive over the next couple of seasons before we fully have to strip this thing down. I know you're, I think you're going to say that that's the wrong strategy. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, you've got 20 players that are not going to be on this roster next year as of today right so you got a lot 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 to fill so yeah being that it's a slow bleed and you are looking at probably two years i I mean here here poses an interesting question the cardinals have the sixth pick in the draft they can get as high as the second pick they play denver this week then they've got atlanta tampa bay and san fran you could lose all those games with the way you're playing and everybody except for denver has something to play for yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, in Denver, it's going to be backup versus backup. Colt McCoy versus uh, what's his name, Ripken or Rip Rip Ripken? Oh, or that's something? right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even know the guy's name because he's uh, yeah. That, that, I didn't think Russ Wilson was not going to be uh, starting a quarterback this up, upcoming week until that concussion. But with that being say being said, I mean, you lose to Denver this weekend. You're now moving from six to like third uh, mm-hmm. draft pick. So, so my big question becomes, and I don't think this is as big as I'm going to make it, but what if you did it once with Josh Rosen and I get, you have all this money tied up to Kyler Murray. What if you decide we're going to let go of Steve Kai and we are going to let go of, of cliff and ultimately whoever's coming in decides Kyler ain't my guy. Uh, he ultimately is hurt for, you know, five weeks of the season by then we we can't wait uh we can't wait for five weeks for him to come back do you draft a quarterback in the top five top three i i mean is that i now again good franchise says no you go get uh that stud out of alabama will um uh oh my gosh i want to say will hernandez um <laughs> that's not gonna be right that, that's our offensive lineman um <laughs> Man, why am I stalling? Why am I uh, messing up here? It's Will. Um, oh, cut that God. down while I yeah, while I provide everybody of, uh, the defensive the uh, the pass rush. Oh, Will Anderson. Will, Will yeah. Anderson. Yes, thank you. There we go. Will Anderson. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know what position you were going for. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what he's shooting for here. Could no, but they're they're saying he's like the number one, clear number one best player in the draft, right? And so if you're the second pick or the third pick, that's who you take because it's a huge hole that we have, and you kind of stay the course. But there's a lot of questions. Like I'm going here, where like if you are shaking up the leadership then what does the next guy and who is that next guy? And we've got plenty of time to keep beating this horse, whether it's Sean Payton or whoever, like, what do they want? You know, a minute ago we we were saying he'd probably be okay with Kyler Murray, but who knows? Yeah. Well, but, and and even at that point though, too, like, I guess, depending on maybe who you thought the coach was going to be, everybody, Mm -hmm. listen, almost universally when you bring in a new GM, then they want their own head coach. And when you bring in your own head coach, then they want their own quarterback right now. Sometimes there's the stipulation of the GM will say, yeah, we're hiring you, but we have our quarterback. You got to make it Mike McDaniel in uh, in Miami. You got to make it work. You got to, you're here to take Tua to the next level. 
A hundred percent. And you can see, and then, and then that coach, Sean Payton comes in and says, great, I need multiple wide receivers or I want to get the defensive edge rusher, et cetera. So that certainly can be on the table, but unless you organizationally truly believe that if it's that Cliff Kingsbury has been so bad that he has ruined what should have been the ascension of Kyler Murray. And now combined with his injury, though, which could cost him, that we don't scares, know, could cost that him well scares into the, the hell out of me. It is has that, to. Is, is that, has he completely made Kyler Murray regress, right? Like, happens all the, the time. Point, it's not savable. Happens Matt, all the Matt time Liner. around the NFL. Yeah. Matt, Matt Liner, he's a guy that we had that I feel like with bad coaching and bad decisions completely ruined him. And by the time he went to a different organization, he was wasted i mean he was done and that's where see that's where to me if you're if you were them and you guys are gonna talk about this a lot but you just mentioned the draft there briefly when you look at the top of the board right now i'm over on a a draft buzz which i think is a real they do a really good job of categorizing and ranking these players Mm -hmm. right now it's going to be young at number one they have anderson there at number two they have stroud at number three you have two qb prospects in the top three picks of the draft if you're in and around that area Mm -hmm. and you're already up there and it isn't going to you know cost you capital especially because of the way these prospects are thought about. This isn't the Baker Mayfield year, right? This isn't a year where, hey, we're not so sure, but we need a quarterback. These guys are considered to be high level, could end up being one of the deepest QB classes to come out in a number of seasons. If you're already there, you take them. And guess what? The quote-unquote worst-case scenario is Kyler Murray comes back and he looks brilliant, and all of a sudden you have this very, you have this great, you know, difficulty of deciding between Kyler Murray or your young quarterback. And if Kyler looks great, you get to trade him. You get to send him somewhere else with big money on his contract, et cetera. So I just, if you're the Cardinals, man, I would wholeheartedly be looking at understanding defensive players, a player like Anderson can be a cornerstone piece for a franchise, but with everything that's gone on, you just have to assume again, the dominoes fall, new GM, new head coach, you know that new quarterback is just around the corner. And by the way, your best case scenario is Kyler comes back in the progression of next season, starts to get his legs back underneath him. He's already going to be 28 going, you know, he's not, he's not even that young anymore. And you can still have a decade ahead of you, but when you're a mobile quarterback and you're suffering lower yeah, body exactly. injuries, do you, concern. do you have a decade? Because I'll tell you, yeah, Russell, yeah. Russell Wilson don't look the same ever since he kind of lost his legs. Right. Could and, be five and- years by the time this contract ends with him. Yeah, Ru- Russell Wilson doesn't run the way he used to. You know what I mean? And that's why he yep. doesn't – I would say that's ultimately why he doesn't look the same. Everyone's like, oh, well, he's a bad leader and blah, blah, blah. Hey, it sounds like Kyler Murray. Uh, but <laughs> my, my point is is, is people want to – Straight up, Russell, Russell Wilson for Kyler Murray. Do you do it? Yeah, no. Uh, but a bunch of people will, will point at Russell Wilson and say his problems have been you know other things. But to me, it's he's not as mobile as he used to be. And, yeah. and that happens with age. Father time catches everybody. But guess who father time doesn't catch as bad is those, you know, pocket passers. Mm-hmm. So when you do have a mobile quarterback, you've got to already understand it's almost like running backs. You got to understand that the shelf life is only so long with them compared to the pocket. Pa- they either have to adapt or die. You know what I mean? That's where you're at as, as a quarterback in this league. Um, you're going to see it with Lamar Jackson. At some point, he ain't going to be able to do the things he does with his legs and, you know, he's starting to have injury after injury now. Like, same thing. Does he start to fall off, right? Yeah. Like, and that's where I think Baltimore's having a hard time deciding, like, if they're paying him or not, right? And it's the same problem we were in with Kyler. So you, you run into these situations, and I don't know. Well, I tell you what, though, with a different head coach, if you put Lamar Jackson onto the Arizona Cardinals with those two weapons, one of which used to play with him in Baltimore, I think that this season looks drastically different than the results we got from Kyler this year. Uh, it's not another day, though, because I know uh, Tyler is not a big Lamar Jackson fan. One no. just quick note, one quick note going back to the deadline. If they had wanted to move Hopkins, you're still going to take 11 in dead cap, roughly around there, 11 million this year. So that that's probably a harder one. But I'll say again, the well, J.J. Watkins. But if, if you're not playing for anything, like take the Oh, no, it's fine. But, yeah, no. but this is always just – it's always a factor because yeah. the one thing I always say when you make these kind of decisions is like remember, okay, now next year when you have dead cap money that you're trying to get off your books over the next two and three seasons, it's just you can't make yeah. sweeping six moves that you go – and it's just $40 million in dead cap, right? It starts to come back to roost. But J.J. Watt, $2.4 million dead cap, $13.5 million in cap relief. Like that's the move that makes a lot it's, of sense, especially when you look around move. the league at – 
that would have liked to add that veteran defensive piece. And he, by the way, he would have been not a backup, but a rotational piece on another team at this stage of his career that just would have bolstered a defense that's trying to make that playoff run. Look at Philadelphia, who's had crazy injuries on their yep. line. Like, I brought in Limbaugh Joseph, rotational? brought in Dominican Sue. Yeah. Yeah. He might have been a starter. Like, you could have probably traded him to them because at the same time, they had need. And they're yep. a team that's trying to push to, to win it all, you know, win it all. They're, they're probably the best team in the NFL right now. And it's like, you know, they're they're going all in. They're pushing their chips in. So they would have given them, they would have mortgaged some future to, to make that happen. So let me ask you, um, because I was interested about this too, to transition to I, I think what is going to be a theme about the rest of this season. So you don't have Kyler Murray now. Are you are you surprised? Because Gunner, I mean, Gunner's been hashtag fire cliff, mm-hmm. but they haven't fired him yet. And ironically, and this is just because it ties in uh, tangentially to the Cardinals. Remember, Wilkes, who took over in Carolina after they made the head coaching change, all of a sudden the Panthers are playing a lot better. And that doesn't whatever he's going to be as a head coach, but you've seen him turn it around. They've bought in. He's made changes that has that team for whatever you want to say about them. They are still in the playoff picture because they can still win their division in some way. And some people are talking about them as being like, they might actually be favored to win the division because everyone else is playing so poorly. I, I say Wilkes because we know once upon a time he was at the helm for the Cardinals, but are you surprised that the Cardinals aren't trying to take advantage of seeing if someone else on this coaching staff could get something out of this team or as if you're not uh, able to see this visually, Tyler violently shakes his head. Is it ultimately about, keeping that draft capital high and not risking potentially taking away the value of next year's draft. No, what it, what it comes down to is they know what they have with Vance Joseph. The reason you like fire, I like it a lot. Yeah, you no. Know, when, when you hire or when you fire a head coach in season, it's to give someone a look that you think like, Hey, we have someone on staff that we think could be the guy. Carolina prime example. They know Wilkes. Had a, had a rough shake here, and ultimately he's been great in his time in Carolina at, in, you know, in his multiple stints in Carolina um, yeah. as, as a position coach, right? Um, so it's one of those things where, you know, th- they made that decision because they wanted to see what they had in-house before yeah. they explore outside. The Cardinals know what they have in-house, and that covers bear. <laughs> So they understand that this is if if you give up on this regime, it's a complete overhaul. We, you know, Vance Joseph's going to go somewhere else, more than likely. I mean, he's going to be pissed that he ain't going to get a crack at it. It just, right. it's just going to kind of be the result. Like, I think Vance Joseph is going to feel slighted that that he's not getting a crack at this job, but maybe not. I mean, the guy has great character. You saw him go up to Matt Patricia after the game last night. Uh, to make sure it was clear that he wasn't taking a dig at Matt Patricia for saying he looks like a defensive-minded uh, coach calling an offense. He was more stating that defensive coaches don't they, they want to minimize mistakes, and that's right, kind of the game right. plan that he goes with. That's what he was trying to to relay. And so when I see his character and I see that he made the effort to go do that, maybe Vince isn't going to be pissed. Maybe he like thinks <laughs> like, maybe I want to just be a defensive coordinator at this point. And maybe it fits like a glove with whoever the offensive person comes in or whoever the head coach is or whatever. Right. right, right. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see the Cardinals making a move in season because at that point, all you're going to do is piss more people off by not hiring them and giving them the job. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think this is like an ASU or a Guano uh, was the interim uh, head coach. And and now he's happy to be on the new head coach's staff. Like, like it's not usually how it works in the NFL. Usually if you're the interim and you don't get the job after and you have some success, you're going to yeah. be pissed. So you're just going to compound problems at that point. Well, and maybe I'm a little bit surprised too that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, it hasn't with, with some of those college rumors, wasn't just, didn't just say, yeah, I'm good. You know, I mean, like he understands the writings on the wall. At least you would think like, I'll just I'll ask you, too. It's like, OK, they they know what they have in house. They don't want to move on. Fine. But even if it was OK, Vance Joseph, you're going to run this thing for the rest of the season because we're done with Cliff. We don't want Cliff to be the head coach. Like I, as an Arizona Cardinals fan, would be concerned the longer that Cliff Kingsbury isn't fired is the longer that I go, boy, are we going to end up with the same situation going into next year? You know, is it, are we going to enter the season with the same GM and the same head coach and the same quarterback and the same spectrum of questions about whether or not they can compete? I mean, Michael Bidwell, you're going to find out how much he cares what the fan base 
and the media at large cares about, you know, says about this team sure. because his hand at this point is going to be forced. There ain't no way about it. Like the, the fans are coming after cliff in time. The media is coming after cliff in time and it's going to be, you got to make this call. You got to move on. If he chooses not to, it's strictly, I think financial, like, you know, in terms of what he has tied into contracts, mm-hmm. that's the reason he's not moving because I mean, you, I don't know if you could tell on TV, but it was heavy New England last night. And granted, it was a Boston weekend in, in Phoenix. You had uh, Thursday, the Celtics play. It was Thursday or Wednesday of last week. Oh, yeah, you were talking about Suns. this. Right. And then uh, the Bruins played the Coyotes over the weekend. And then now to cap it off this. So, I, you know, it was expected that New England was going to travel just because you want to get away from the cold over there to come mm. out to what would have been sunny Arizona, but it was raining and cold here. So, you know, that kind of backfired a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was crawling. So, you know, going forward, Tampa Bay on Christmas, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a weird mix of Tampa, New England fans, and Cardinal fans just all wanting to see Brady. But I, I still don't think you're going to have mass Cardinal fans in the building. It's it's going to be bad. And so, at some point, Michael Biddle has got to decide, like, when it comes to what people are saying about my my team, my organization, like, you know, what's more important here? Yeah. <laughs> Being loyal to these two guys uh, that, that have had very little success over the last four years or, you know, trying to show that I'm a good owner. So I want to ask you a lighter, a lighter question that I think will just be fun for the fan base. But we were exchanging. I had sent you a couple of days ago. Um, there had been a great post over on Twitter. I'll forget. I want to give credit to who it was from. But it talked about the what-if scenario of this NFL season. Oh, I love and, that. And all yeah. it focused on was it took every one-possession game that teams have been involved in this year, and it flipped it. So if you had lost a one-possession game, you get the win. If you had win, if you had the win, you get the loss. And there's some easy ones. When you talk about the overall perception of the league, Minnesota Vikings would be a one-win team if you flipped that. And the and way the that Raiders. they're talking about the, the Raiders, Raiders would be a little been bit like higher. a playoff, like two seed or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty, it was pretty interesting to look at it because I think for the most part, like in the AFC teams moved up a little bit. Some, you know, the, the chiefs were further down there in the wild card picture, but it was all relative for the most part. There was a couple of low liars, but the Cardinals, even if we include now this loss, they would be a six and seven team because they would have been six and six. If you flip those one mm-hmm. possession games and those are the kind of things and I'll use everyone knows Tyler's called me out for it, being a Giants fan. That when they showed that, it's the Giants would have been two and nine, two nine and one coming into this past weekend. So they'd be two ten and one now. And I looked at it as when we we actually talked about it on that show. I said, yeah, and that's my credit to the coaching staff and maximizing the value of this uh-huh. team and playing smart football and getting wins where you're not expected and grinding them out. The Cardinals on the other side didn't grind any of those out. Didn't find ways to get those wins. And I, I know when I sent that to you, it was. Hey, like legitimately, especially in a year when the Rams were playing the way that they've played, this could have been a year where even when things didn't go perfectly, you still could have been down to the final week of the season competing for a wild card spot, maybe even talking about being second in the division. And instead, that's not even a sniff. And I wanted to get your take on that because that has to be not not intentionally, but incredibly depressing from a fan and supporter of this team. It it knocks the coaching once more because ultimately when you look at the Raiders – who in that same graphic, they'd be a two seed. Well, you can, for them, you can also blame some coaching, but you can also be like, well, if the ball just goes a different way, you know, one time, you know, whatever, if this thing doesn't happen, one play, you know, just string of bad luck, that stuff happens. Yeah. But when you look at the Cardinals, all they would have gotten out of it was two more wins. You know, they're only, they're a four win team. Now they get two more wins or six wins. And yeah. And then you're on the playoff hunt. It shows you how bad the NFC is as a whole. Right. And that that you'd be in contention with only six wins. But it also shows you how bad is this coaching been? Now, the one saving grace was this tweet I said to you yesterday. Uh, and I'm going to pull that up right now. And what scares me with this Kyler Murray injury, and this is why I say they got to kind of Michael Bidwell, whatever decision he's been thinking about, he's got to just follow through. And it leads. It sounds like I'm leading to yeah get rid of everybody. But I think that's where you're at. The one saving grace, Jeremy Fowler tweeted out last night. Uh offense reaching historic levels of attrition and time missed Kyler Murray now out with the knee DJ Humphreys is out for the year Rodney Rodney Hudson's missed six games Justin Pugh eight games Will Hernandez four games Zach Ertz out for the year DeAndre Hopkins missed six games Hollywood Brown has missed five games Rondo Moore has missed four games and counting 
Like those are all impact players on the offense that, that as an offensive coach, you were expecting to have, and you've now not had them. And then there's other guys you haven't had. There's offense, other offensive linemen that aren't listed here. But at the end of the day, um, I'm trying to think of who we're missing. Oh, no, no, he listed all four. Never mind. I take that back. So, I, I mean, but yeah, you're, you're, it's, and the injuries just keep compounding because now when you look at the defensive side of the ball, Marco Wilson gets hurt last night. Uh, Zach Allen had a cast around his hand, and he's a guy you got to decide if you're going to pay or not. Uh, so he's out. Byron Murphy practiced one practice last week, and then we thought he was hopefully coming back. He's not back, did not come back last night. So you've, this team, is now playing with players 30 through 40 on the roster. By the way, too, um, just because it's funny you bring up, because you mentioned Humphreys there in the offensive line, obviously. So there was another one uh, that I had taken a look at, which talks about um, percentage that the ideal, the best version of your offensive line, how much it plays over the course of the season. And there's some teams that you would think would be obvious. Like, it's funny, Cincinnati Bengals, 95% of their snaps, they've had their best version of their line. Now, their yards per play are actually, is actually, you know, it's near fringe, top 10-ish kind of category, but that they're not a great offensive line. But continuity matters. If you had to guess, and I'll, I'll give you this caveat about it, the most offensive lines, and this is it's funny about positions because we always know that guys come in out of line. We don't think about offensive line this way. I don't, I don't believe. The average kind of percentage is somewhere between 50 to 60-ish kind of percent where you get your best version of your offensive line. What percentage of the time this season have the Arizona Cardinals had their best offensive line? Oh, shoot. Um, They all played together week one, maybe? A 10%, 8%? 19%, which by the way, like, and, and, and I understand why you go so low. That is only ahead of... The Chicago Bears, who've had 18%. You've got L.A., who has 15%. That's it. They are the third Mm -hmm. lowest in terms of offensive line play percentage. Their yards per play is 4.72. That's among the worst in the league. 160 plays that they've had together. Now, you're you're making the case not to fire the head coach. Well, and that's kind of (laughs) the question I do want to ask here. And you mentioned about Bidwell and saying, like, okay, I need to be able to take the bird's eye view on my franchise and not overreact to the fan base that, by the way, we haven't been as successful as we should have been. We have talent where we should have been playing better this year. The rift between Murray and Kingsbury and everything that's gone on with this team. I can't get caught up in the wash about it. I have to look at some things like maybe this was just one of the all time bad injury runs for us this season. And for a couple of games, okay, we wouldn't, we'd barely be scraping 500, but we'd be in the discussion, right? We'd be in a conversation for making the playoffs. Am I ready to blow this thing up when I can make the case if they play 40% of the games together, we probably are in a much better situation than we find ourselves right now. So it's just, it's always to say you don't want to make a knee jerk reaction, whatever choice they're going to make. Have it be one that is based on more than just this season, more than just a handful of games or a handful of calls from Cliff Kingsbury or otherwise, because it's going to have long-term ramifications. So just make the choice that you're committed to, not the knee-jerk reaction to what the fan base or anyone is suggesting about the team. Well, and my thought is you only make the move if you've already had uh, illegal tampering conversations with uh, people <laughs> right. that, and have confirmed who that next move is. Like okay. Michael Bidwell has to have some sort of short list right now of like who would be the people filling this spot. And I'm sorry, I keep hearing Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson internally because the Cardinals have never hired a GM outside the organization. Okay, well, we haven't been good for our whole existence. So maybe we do something a little different. You go hire someone outside. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, listen, I like Adub personally. Met him a bunch of times. He's a good dude. I keep I make sure I say that, but and I know he was up for the job in Chicago. He was up for the job in Jacksonville. Like yeah. uh, it, it's one of those things where you, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to set personal feelings aside and say, I want different. And and you better go have a plan in place because if there isn't, and you don't have commitments, maybe you don't have Sean Payton saying, yeah, I would like to coach there. Um, if you don't have that, then why are we making a move? Because you did make the playoffs last year. This is a historically bad run of injury. At this point, maybe you do just run it back and, and it is what it is because you've given them those extensions. 
I don't want to settle. And I feel like that's settling. I almost feel like you do want to make the sweeping moves and, and start over, rebuild, do all that. But um, it's a weird, unfortunate situation that we are now in to have to, to let Michael Bidwell figure out. Last time that I'll make any reference to the New York football giants, but you can look oh, at them, a franchise who, but a franchise who had the same problem. They couldn't get, they couldn't get away from people that were tied to the organization that they knew that they had familiarity with. They brought back Dave Gettleman from Carolina who had had previous ties and it all, you know, did not go well. They finally stepped outside of their comfort zone, went and got Joe Shane and brought Dable, et cetera. And we'll see where it goes from here, but it certainly was very refreshing. It looks like it's turned that franchise into a much more positive direction. Let's end on a fun note here, though, because if let's say that they click Kingberry gets fired right now, right? Th this second he gets fired and the Arizona Cardinals choose to go the Indianapolis Colts route. They don't have anybody on their staff that they want to take a look at. So they brought in a celebrity, a former franchise stalwart, Jeff Saturday, to steer the ship down the rest of the season. Who is your Arizona Cardinal? all-time great fan favorite that comes walking in the door. And I'm taking Larry Fitzgerald immediately off the table because I, I feel like that's automatically where you would go. So, like, you know, it's like, who is it when you look back at some of the greats um, from Arizona? Is there a guy that, you know, do you go, do you, do you hit up Kurt Warner and pull him yeah, out? Just to it'd be Kurt Warner. Shot at the helm? But I don't think Kurt Warner would ever do that. He, he would, you know, that's the, that's the hard part there. It's like, yeah. you know, Kurt Warner would be giving up some of his, media stuff that he has just like larry right so the guys that people would would want realistically off mushroom farm you can get jake no, Plummer. Yeah, you no, get a jake, haircut jake's, maybe jake's a little psychedelic right now i don't get know his if mental faculties move, together but, a bit but you know yeah yeah no 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 jake uh uh i don't know if you ever see the episode of entourage where they go to joshua tree but that is uh jake Plummer and, and it's fullest for those that like entourage um uh, but yeah, I, I <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it'd be, yeah, it'd be Kurt Warner, but you know, Carson Palmer, uh, actually not an all time terrible. great Arizona Cardinal, but no, but that, that ain't, that isn't terrible. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's going to set them. I think Jeff Saturday doesn't give a, a who, he, you know, when you get these offensive linemen, they don't really, they're built different, right? You've seen yeah. Kelsey with the Eagles while he walks into the, the, uh, each game with dressed like, uh, the dude and everything else. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. those office linemen don't care. They're built different. They don't care if they look stupid uh, coach, you know, stepping into a job that they probably shouldn't be in um, where like some of these quarterbacks, I, I don't think they would want that. The, they wouldn't want to, to put themselves in that, in that for backlash. Right. They just wouldn't want yeah. uh, negative, negative looks. So, but yeah, I, I don't think because you've got the contracts you have there, this decision won't happen till black Monday. And, you know, that's the first Monday after the regular season. That's when everyone should be surrounding Twitter and Adam Schefter should be on notification alert uh, because I think everyone's going to be waiting to see with bated breath if uh, uh, Cliff is going to get let go and if Kime gets let go. I would go with Dan Deerdorf, you know. I think you bring in a guy that was born in 1949 and you just let him kind of get his hands on this is thing. Is Dan even alive still? I don't even know. I guess I have to check in on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I think he passed away, but. No, no. You can't. Oh, man. Him. Now I'm like one of those Facebook posts where you're spreading uh, fake, fake. Uh, no, he's doing great, man. He's, like he's, he's, he's still doing his broadcasting career. I don't. Oh, is he? Think, oh, man. Yeah. Hall of Fame I mean, inducted 1996. I mean, yeah, well, he's, we, like we 70, 73, he's 73 years old. What are you doing? We had, well, Mike Leach, 61 yesterday. Um, oh, but uh, uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach. Um, but uh, that's what I'm saying, 73. Hey, he's, he's kicking. He's doing his thing. I love it. I love it. Anyway, um, yeah. So, and, and obviously, Larry would just be the obvious one that everyone would immediately want. But we'll see how they it all. Still plays want out. him to come back and play wide receiver? Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's well, because, as we all know, <laughs> because they're not going to let Greg Dorch play. So yeah, obviously, he's not an yeah, option. Yeah, let's let's get rid of AJ Green and play Greg Dorch. Or I mean, uh, play uh, Larry Fitzgerald over Greg Dorch. It'll be fantastic. Listen, as as you said at oh, the top hey, of the show. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, I know we're going to wrap, but did you yeah. see the punt, the punt return Greg Dorch did and he ended up springing for like 15, 20 yards and had all that heart and emotion? I mean, yeah, why would you want that on the field? No, I can't. I can't see a reason. Well, I, I got to tell you, sorry, we are going to wrap, but I will say, and you said this all season long, The I, this, this is fireable for me. This is why you fire Cliff Kingsbury. You're playing A.J. Green, regardless of whether he's productive, mistakes, or otherwise, you're playing A.J. Green, a player that has no future with this franchise and has an, at an age where he's as close to retirement as you can be, 
over a young player. Same thing when they, you know, I just, that is borderline criminal to not be putting some of the younger players in positions to have some success. And you can see the difference between the offensive and defense, uh, defensive side of the ball. Vance Joseph, you, you had to justify it early in the season when some of the young guys didn't play for a little bit. And then he incrementally brought them back into the fold. They started to be productive. And at the very least, you see the young talent. You go, okay, these guys are going to be ready to go. Greg Dorch in some ways, boy, listen, next year, if he gets on the field for the Cardinals and he drops a few balls or he struggles the first few games, I'm going to go back and look at it and say, yeah, because you didn't give him enough reps. You didn't give him an opportunity to develop his skill set when you had it's the end of the season. He should be starting like I so. And there's more than one player on this roster that you look at like that. But that is the one of the most egregious things is not getting evaluation and reps for young talent, even if you think they're borderline cuttable, which Greg Dorch isn't. But even if you think you could cut this guy, OK, confirm it, confirm it over the remainder of the season and see what you have. Uh, one play I want to talk about, this is going to extend us another three minutes, but I I just, you got my blood boiling when we, when you started saying that just now, because I think of just, just piss poor coaching decisions. And it makes me think of last night. And and again, these are fireable offenses between the illegal shifts, between the not playing Greg Dorch over AJ green between, uh, this play. So you're going into half, you're, you're at 30 seconds left on the clock. It's fourth and one. You're out of timeouts. And instead of kicking the field goal, going up by nine, and I went on a tangent on this on Twitter, and I had some fans saying, well, it was a it was a smart play, smart play. You'd be going up nine on a team at that point that had only scored seven points, I believe. Yeah, I think they had only scored seven at that point. So you would have had more, you'd have a lead by more than that they had scored in the entire half. You already know by just feeling out the game, they had already lost Stevenson. I think they had already lost Parker by that point. You already know that this is going to be a low scoring affair. You would think just based off how the, the, the trajectory of the game's going instead of kicking the field goal. And this might be, they've just lost all faith in Matt Prater. And if they have, then like, what are we still doing? Like what, yeah. why, why with the way the season's going, bring in a different kicker. Like, what are you doing if you can't trust him anymore? So, and we, you've had to know that throughout the season. So they don't go for the kick. They go for it on fourth and one. And I saw a lot of fans defending Cliff. Like, oh, Cliff's not out there throwing the pass. Uh, you know, and it was True. an easy pass. Colt yeah, should have hit the guy. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Again, for what value in that? So you yeah. get a first down, right? You got 30 seconds to try to get a touchdown. I, I mean, to me, it's like the game and the momentum going into half would have been in your hands. So instead... You give them a shorter field, and now they end up getting a field goal. And so instead of going up nine, you're now only up three going into half, and the momentum has now shifted. And then that's what you saw in the second half. So when you talk about these fireable offenses for offense, for for your head coach, sorry, not just offense, your head coach, it's stuff like that that just blows my mind. The Arizona Cardinals are the 31st team in the league in terms of penalties taken at 6.9 per game. They had eight in their last game. Uh, They average a little over five over the last three games, and they are particularly bad on the road. And if you want to say yes, but with all the injuries this year, that can lead to that. You have guys playing out of position, guys stepping up, bigger roles. They were 28th in the league in penalties a year ago. That's discipline. That's coaching. That's being prepared. It's all the Goodbye, things Cliff. that you just spoke about there. And again, at some <laughs> point, you just got to look at it and you got to accept the reality of it. And don't they always say, "Don't throw, you know, don't throw good money after bad." Right? It was bad money to hire Cliff Kingsbury and give him and give him a big contract. It's going to be even worse if you throw other money that you could spend other places keeping him around. We'll see where it goes from here, though, because guess what? The season isn't over, my friends. Still a long way to go here. A little bit of draft board watching, obviously, for Arizona Cardinals fans. But as we move forward, I think what we'll see Tyler and certainly Gunner be doing over the course of the show is talking about the young players, guys that you like, guys that are playing well, guys that are deserving of being a part of the next phase, potentially, of this team. So there's a lot of things we'll have to sort out here as we move along. Uh, Tyler, where does everybody find you uh, on the old internet machine? At Berging Travel, Twitter, Instagram. We will be in Denver this weekend for the backup bowl between Colt McCoy and uh, Rippin or Ripkin or whatever. Uh, We will have a tailgate. We already got, I think, 40 people signed up. So it looks like a a decent amount of Cardinal fans are going to be making the commute to Denver. 
I, I know a lot of people passed on going to Mexico, you know, didn't want to travel out of country, things like that. So I know for a lot of people, they circled this Denver game. Man, I feel bad for them. Uh, but they, they, they circled this Denver game back in April when the schedule came out and said, hey, eh, Denver in December, a week before Christmas. Why not? So, yep. What's your set? Like you do the tailgates, you do a whole big pop-up setup and everything you've got going on there. It it depends on the city. So like in New Orleans, yes, a big pop-up tailgate tent, whatever. But in Denver, in in, in December, (laughs) we're going to be in a bar. So we had, we do have a a private area and a bar that is about 19 minutes, 18 minute walk somewhere uh, from the bar to the stadium. So um, it's close by and with how cold it's going to be, trust me, you don't want to be outside. I get feeling the elements, but it's going to be miserable and the stadium's outside. So if you want to get your outside fix, you're going to get it when you're inside and you're cold. So um, yeah, we'll have a big, uh, a big, it's all you can eat, all you can drink birdgangdenver.com If you want to go to that. While uh, the organization may not care about the fan the fan base at all, the Bird yeah. Gang Travel Club does, and they're taking well, care of it even on the road, getting in a nice warm bar just at the Wilson Stadium. Personally, I just care that I don't want to be freezing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one of those things where I don't want to be. Cold. I was ingratiating you to. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. No, yeah, we don't. Terrible. Oh we, boy. We thought of everybody in this, but also no. I, I, I'm genuinely. I mean, I got a million Cardinals jackets that I'm waiting to flex that are like old school throwbacks. So I'm very nice. excited uh, about that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be freezing. What's the drive from? What's the? Do you, you ever driven that from Arizona to Denver? You always take a flight. Southwest air, baby. $90, you know, a little quick, quick, uh, hop, hop and a jump. You know what I mean? All right. Listen, you follow bird gang travel club over on Twitter. Obviously go to birdgangtravelclub.com to show you where all the places you can get the podcast. You get on every little feed that you're after. You give a nice glowing review on the options where they allow you. That's my website. Cardinalspodcast.com kickoffinthevalley.com. That's where you get the podcast, baby. Now well, listen, <laughs> the show, you know, they bring on the air here. Well, you go to those websites though too. But Ty, actually, this is your job anyway. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm taking us out of here. I know you're closing out. I was like, hey, go for it, bud. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, that's Adam. You know, you can follow him on Twitter. Read about a bunch of uh, uh, Giants nonsense and uh, Brooklyn Nets nonsense. That's which right. a couple of weeks ago I was saying the Suns are are looking pretty and and the Nets, uh, you know. At weren't and now maybe tides are turning a little bit but uh anyway you can follow him online if you want if not i mean you're not gonna get cardinals content out of him just saying other than when he's uh bashing the team so uh but do what you do subscribe download every episode we appreciate you cardinalspodcast.com and as always kick off in the back